I get to preach out of the book of Ruth today. And, uh, man, Ruth's a great story. But in preparing this story and studying the book of Ruth, I hate to give you just uh, chapter 1, I hate to give you just chapter 2, and I hate to give you just chapter 3 and 4. Because the whole book is a love story. How many of you all know Valentine's Day is coming this week? Yeah, these ladies in the back row are sharp, man. They all dressed in red for Valentine's Day, and I see a lot of other people that have red on. I missed that memo, okay? But uh, they're all decked out in red back there for Valentine's Day. We all love a good love story, don't we? Ladies? All right. Men, we all like to find that one that we search for. And when we do, it's just like, yeah! I remember... Jesus, or God, when he made woman, he said, now this is bone of my bone and flesh in my flesh. You know, that means she's great looking, okay? All right. It was what he was searching for, okay? But, uh, man, this story is an awesome story. It comes in the setting of judges. There was no kings in the area. These were judges that were here on earth. People, sin was rampant, Okay. Sin was going. People were, uh, man, falling from grace, okay? And I'm going, wow. Dwayne's been preaching out of the Old Testament, and I know we've been hitting you hard with the Old Testament, but I really want you to get this love story today. And I found this verse in Romans 15, 4. It says, For everything that has written in the past was written to teach us So that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So what he's saying here, Paul's saying in Romans, he's saying, don't neglect your Old Testament. The Old Testament is still pertinent. And this is going to give us a great glimpse into what's to come, this love story that God's got for us. And I've got my young son that's going to come up here and read the book of Ruth for us. Come on up here, son. And before he does that, I got these ladies sitting on the front row. And after I announce the eighth grade basketball team, they go, well, dad, we won too. Okay. They won a sixth grade tournament and I am proud of them. And I want you to be proud of them. But they're in church this morning. Amen. Oh, they got first place too. Okay. There you go. We're honoring God for that. Amen. Okay, Trenton, if you'll take off and read the book of Ruth for me, start in verse 1, let these people follow along. It's a long book, so make sure you follow along. You ready? Yeah, and I'm going to apologize before I even start reading. There are a lot of words in here that I have never even seen before, so bear with me. Um, During the time of the judges, there was a famine in the land. A man left Bethlehem and Judah with his wife and his two sons to live in the land of the middle of Berlin. The man's name was Emelech, and his wife's was Naomi. The names of their two sons were Malon and Shilion, and they were F- yeah. from Bethlehem and Judah. They entered the land of Moab and settled there. Naomi's husband, Emelech, died, and she was left with her two sons. Her sons took Moabite women with their wives. One was named Orpah, and the second was named Ruth. After they lived in Moab about ten years, both Malon and Shilion also died, and Naomi was left with it without her children or without her husband. She and her daughters-in-law prepared to leave the land of Moab because she had heard in Moab that the Lord had paid attention to his people by providing them food. She left the place where she had been living accompanied by her two daughters-in-law and traveled along the road leading back to the 
She said to them, Each of you go back to your mother's home. May the Lord show faithful love to you as you have shown to the dead and to me. May the Lord enable each of you to find security in the house of your new husband. She kissed them and they wept loudly. No, they said to her, We will go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, Return home, my daughters. Why do you want to go with me? Am I able to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. Go on, for I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me to have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you be willing to wait for them to grow up? Would you restrain yourselves from remarrying? No, my daughters. My life is much too bitter for you to share, because the Lord, the Lord's hand has turned against me. Again, they wept loudly, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Naomi said, Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her God. Follow your sister-in-law. But Ruth replied, Do not persuade me to leave you or go back and not follow you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May Yahweh punish me and do so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped trying to persuade her. The two of them traveled until they came to Bethlehem, where they entered, when they entered Bethlehem, the whole town was excited about their arrival, and the local woman exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, she answered, for the Almighty has made me very good. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. What do you call me? Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord pronounced judgment on me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi came back from the land of Moab with her daughter-in-law, Ruth, the Moabites. And they arrived at Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side named Boaz. He was a prominent man of a noble character from Eli's family. Ruth the Moabites asked Naomi, Will you let me go into the fields and gather fallen grain behind someone who allows me to? Naomi answered her, Go ahead, my daughter. So Ruth left and entered the fields to gather grain behind the harvesters. She happened to be in portion of the land belonging to Boaz, who was from Eli's family. Later, when Boaz arrived from, from Bethlehem, he said to the harvesters, The Lord be with you, the Lord bless you, they replied. Boaz said, Ask his servant, who was in charge of the harvesters, whose young woman is this? The servant answered, She is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. She asked, Will you let me gather fallen grain among the bundles behind the harvesters? She came and has remained from early morning until now, except that she rested a little in the shelter. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Listen, my daughter, don't go and grab the grain in the other field. And don't leave this one, but stay here close to my female servants. See which field they are harvesting and follow them. Haven't I ordered the young men not to touch you? When, they, when you are thirsty, go and drink from the jars that the young men have filled. She bowed with her face to the ground and said to him, Why are you so kind to notice me, although I am a foreigner? Boaz answered her, Everything you have done for your mother-in-law since your husband's death has been fully reported to me. How you left your father and mother in the land of your birth, and how you came to a people you didn't previously know. May the Lord reward you for what you have done, and may you receive a full reward from the Lord God of Israel, under the under whose wings you have come for refuge. My Lord, she said, you have been so kind to me, for you have comforted and encouraged your slave, although I am not.
she ate and was satisfied and had some left over. When she got up to gather grain, Boaz ordered his young men, let her even gather grain among the bundles, and don't humiliate her. Pull out some stalks from the bundles for her and leave them for her to gather. Don't rebuke her. So Ruth gathered grain in the, grain in the field until evening. She beat out what she had gathered, and it was about, and it was about 26 quarts of barley. She picked up the grain and went into the town where her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she brought out what she had left over from her meal and gave it to her. Then her, mother, then her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you gather barley today, and where did you work? May the Lord bless the man who noticed you. Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man she had worked for and said, The name of the man I work for today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, who has not forsaken his kindness to the living or the dead. Naomi continued, The man is a close relative, and he is one of our family redeemers. Ruth the Moses said, He also told me, Stay with my young men until they have finished all of my harvest. So Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Ruth, My daughter, it is good for you to work with his female servants, so that nothing will happen to you in another field. Ruth stayed close to Boaz's female servants and gathered grain until the barley and wheat harvest were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Chapter 3. Ruth's mother-in-law Naomi said to her, My daughter, I shouldn't, shouldn't I find security for you so that you will be taken care of? Now isn't Boaz our relative? Haven't you been working with his female servants? This evening he will be winnowing barley and threshing on the threshing floor. Wash, put on your perfumed oil, and wear your best clothes. Go down to the threshing floor, but don't let the man know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, notice the place where he's lying. Go and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will explain to you what you should do. So Ruth said to her, I will do everything you say. She went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law had instructed her. After Boaz ate, drank, and was in good spirits, he went to lie down at the end of the pile of barley. Then she went in secretly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. At midnight, Boaz was startled, turned over, and there lying at his feet was a woman. So he asked, Who are you? I am Ruth, your slave, she replied. Spread your cloak over me, for you are a family redeemer. Then he said, May the Lord bless you, my daughter. You have shown more kindness now than before because you have not pursued younger men, with, whether richer or poor. Now don't be afraid, my daughter. I will, do, I will do for you whatever you say, since all the people in my town know that you are one of noble character. Yes, it is true that I am a family redeemer, but there is a redeemer closer than I am. Stay here tonight, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem you, that's good. Let him redeem you, but if he doesn't want to redeem you, as the Lord lives, I will. Now lie down until morning. So she lay down at his feet until morning, but got up while it was still dark. Then Boaz said, Don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. And he told Ruth, Bring the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. When he held it out, when he held it out, she he shoveled six measures of barley into her shawl, and then went into the town. She went to her mother in law and he asked her, How did it go, my daughter? Then Ruth told her everything the man had done for her. She said, He gave me these six measures of barley because he said, Don't go back to your mother in law empty handed. Naomi said, My daughter, wait until you find out how things go, for he won't rest until he resolves this today. And the last chapter. 
Boaz went to the gate of the town and sat down there. Soon the family redeemer Boaz had spoken about came by. Boaz called him, name, called him by name and said, Come over here and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Then Boaz took ten men of the town elders and said, Sit here. And they sat down. He said to the redeemer, Naomi, who has returned from the land of Moab, is selling a piece of land that belonged to our brother Emelech. I thought I should inform you, buy it back in the presence of those seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you want to redeem it, do so. But if you don't want to redeem it, tell me so I will know, because there isn't anyone other than you to redeem it, and I am next after you. I want to redeem it, he answered. Then God said, On the day you buy the land for Naomi, you will also acquire Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of the deceased man, to perpetuate the man's name on his property. The Redeemer replied, I can't redeem it myself, or I will ruin my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption, because I can't redeem it. At an earlier period in Israel, a man removed his sandal and gave it to the other party in order to make any matter legally binding concerning the right of redemption or the exchange of property. This was the method of legally binding a transaction in Israel. So the Redeemer removed his sandal and said to Boaz, Buy back the property yourself. Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses today that I am buying from Naomi everything that belongs to Elek, Shulon, and Nahum. Alright, Amen. Let's give him a hand. He did a good job. As you see, the book of Ruth is a detailed story. A short story, but a long story. And today, I want you to see uh, just the things that we can glean from the text today. Okay? First off, Naomi is a major character here. And her name means pleasant. And then she changed it because she said God dealt bitterly with her. God dealt hard with her. And she changed it to Mora, dejected. Also, man, the sons, Marham and Chilion and Imelech. Imelech means God is king. Okay? Imelech, uh, man, left with his family, his wife and two children. Okay? He went for a Moabite country. The reason he sojourned, it said, that interesting word sojourn means he was supposed to just take out and just visit there a little while. Okay? Man, I could camp out here for a while. Sin. How's it come in our life? It comes in a little bit at a time. And we linger there and linger there. Sojourn was supposed to be, hey, he's supposed to go. See what there is in the country, get the grain, come back, or do whatever, okay? They said he sojourned, and then it turned into him dying and then staying ten more years. Does that sound like a short trip to you? No, it doesn't, okay? It sounds like he meant to stay there, doesn't it? And that's the way sin comes into our life. He was running. you got to remember the time. This is the time during the judges, okay? When God was dealing harshly with the people, okay? There was a what? A famine going on. And it was hard. Things weren't growing. Things weren't really like they should. This is supposed to be the land flowing with milk and honey. And God's not letting it flow with milk and honey because these people have made bad choices. These people have done things that dishonored Him. So He is punishing them. Children, do your mom and dad punish you? 
when you do wrong? Yes. It's one of the hardest lessons you can learn. Why do they punish me when I do wrong? Why don't they just tell me why they do wrong and not punish me? Because, man, it gets into the mindset when you punish them, right? Man, Mackenzie's ears perk up and everything perks up when I say, Hey, Mackenzie, let's have the phone. And it's just, Dad, what did I do? What did I do? Well, you didn't do your dishes like you're supposed to. You didn't do your chores like you needed to, okay? But that sense of punishing, I don't do that because I dislike her. I do that to teach her responsibility. I do that to teach her, hey, Things in life just don't happen. They need to get spend time building responsibilities, doing the things that we need to do. And that's the way God does with us. Okay? We don't willingly want to go out and be the best witness for God that we can, can we? Sometimes He needs to humble us. Sometimes He needs to break us. Okay? Into the kind of people He needs to serve Him, to glorify Him. Okay, but he will do that. I'm thankful that he does that. In the Bible, it says he will punish those that he loves. Okay, if he didn't love us, he wouldn't do that. So as you see in these times of hard times here, he's running from it. He's going over to Moabite and Moabite. Man, I didn't know this. Till I got to study my Bible a little bit and men's Bible study has helped a lot. We studied this book, but the Moabite people. We're not great people. When the Israelites were coming out of Egypt, this place didn't come and offer water and food to the people of Israel when they were coming out of Egypt. So God said, hey, don't have anything to do with them. These people also led God's people astray with sexual immorality, with those type of things. And God said, hey, don't associate with these people. All right. Youth, in our Bible study last week, during halftime, we said, bad company corrupts what? Good morals. Okay? If you hang around bad people, you become more like them. Okay? It's harder to pull somebody up than them to pull you down. Because they can pull you down a heck of a lot easier than you can pull them up. Amen? And it is that tendency, I'm going to evangelize, I'm going to do this, and wham, they pull you down, right? Alright, so we need to do our best to be a good witness. So as we see this hard time saying, hey, I'm going to run from this, I'm going to go take the easy way out, I'm going to avoid God's discipline, okay? And I'm going to run to this other country. What happened to Amalek? He died. He paid for it with his life. He left Naomi and his two sons. Did they leave after Amalek died? No. They continued on, my Bible says, for ten years. And the boys. The boys. I did a little research on their names. Sickly. And uh, that's what one of them means. And the other one means uh, not satisfied. Okay? And that's kind of weird how they named those kids like that. But, hey... They had two kids, and they married Moabite women, okay, Orpha and Ruth, okay, and they married these two, 
And they were getting along great. And guess what happened? The two died. It doesn't say how they died. It just says they perished. They died. They're gone. So now you have Naomi, a widow. She's probably up in her age. You got Orpha, and then you got Ruth. And they're all three widowed ladies. Okay? When the men died in these old times, they were like homeless. They were like out on the streets, okay? That's the way it was back then, okay? And it's a hard time. And you see it in the way they cried, the way they prayed for each other. Naomi was pleading for them. Go back. I'm going to Israel because I've heard my God is talking to the people and they're eating now in Bethlehem. The famine is over. I'm going back. I'm going back to Bethlehem. And as you see her trying to go back, the two ladies are following. Wow. What a deal here. They are following Naomi's lead, doing whatever they can. And Naomi's going... I ain't got any hope for you. There isn't going to be any redeemer here. You know, there's not going to be another son. There's not going to be any hope for you in my country. Okay, there's nothing. If I do, my my God's going to take care of me, and I'm going back. Okay, so she's not painting a real great picture at this time. But both these ladies had to make a decision. Both Ruth and Orpha. Okay, they both had to make a decision. What decision was that? To go back. To go back to this foreign land and to stay with Naomi. A widowed lady. Did she have a lot to offer him? Nothing. Guys, when God humbles us, he does it in such a manner where you can't miss him. Okay? He does it in such a way where he knocks you down. Our thing is, you don't want to stay down. You want to accept his help and get back up, okay? You want to accept his help and do it his way this time, okay? And that's what you see here in this story of Ruth. Both these ladies have been knocked hard. They're all down and out, but they have to make a decision. Naomi encourages says, hey, don't make an emotional decision. Don't make one you're going to regret. If you want to go back to your kinfolk, if you want to go back to your gods, you go do it, Okay? Evangelism. So many times I go knocking on the door. I want so much to make the decision for them. But I can't do that. They have to make their own decision. And you see that, how these two ladies had to make their own decisions. One chose the right way, going with Naomi. The other one didn't. Okay? And I don't know whatever came of her. It doesn't say. But I do know what happened to Ruth. Okay? And we're going to find out a little bit more. So, there is security in this soul-journeying way, okay? There is security in this. And as we go through the scripture here, we see that Ruth gets back to Bethlehem. And before Ruth and Naomi get to Bethlehem, there's always a buzz. There's a buzz. Naomi's coming. Ruth's coming, this Moabite woman. And they get back to the city, and the city knows who they are. Do they welcome them with open arms? Not really, okay? They're still down and out. They're so down and out that Ruth has got to go work in the fields, okay? To get some grain, to have ways to, to survive, okay? 
So when they get back to the city, here's what happens. She goes and begs her, saying, I'm going to go work in the fields, Naomi. I'm going to go happen to uh, find out what field I can. God made provisions long about Leviticus that if you owned a field, you didn't harvest all around the outside of it. And anything that dropped or fell, you left in the field. You didn't glean it clean, okay? But you left that for the aliens and you left that for the poor. God made provision, guys. Amen? And they found that provision. And they just happened to go to this man's field called Boaz. Okay? Boaz is a rich and wealthy guy. And so he sees this lady after a while. He sees this lady in this field. goes, who is this lady? Who is this one that's out here in the field working from sunup to sundown, the help said. And she is Naomi's widow, all right? She's part of Naomi's clan there. And uh, they were saying, wow, that's part of Imelech's tribe, okay? And guess what? God gave each one of these people fields. God gave them each land in the Holy Land, okay? He gave them each a part. And he gave them a kinsman redeemer. Follow me on this. A kinsman redeemer was somebody of blood relations. Of blood relations. That after the sons died and the husband died, this kinsman redeemer, if requested by the widow, would come in and marry the widow and provide an offspring that would carry on the name. So this kinsman redeemer, she didn't even know it at the time, was Boaz. Did God work things out? How did she happen to stumble into this field? How did Boaz happen to notice her? But this kinsman redeemer, do you see that in the New Testament anywhere? Who's our kinsman redeemer? Who's our blood relation in the Bible in the New Testament? Jesus Christ, you got it right there. He came of a virgin, a holy birth, and he's a blood relationship to all us humans, to all of us. But he's our kinsman redeemer. He's the one that can redeem us. And you see that in this beautiful story here, how Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. Okay, He says, hey, Ruth, I've heard all about you. Okay? Man, did Ruth have anything to really be excited about? To really... Ah, no, man. She was a widowed lady living with her mother-in-law. I mean, she didn't have a lot going for her, but she did have this. She was very diligent at what she did. She served him wholeheartedly. As you see in the Bible when she said, I'm going to go with you, Naomi. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. And I'm going to stick with you through thick or thin. You die, I'm going to be dying too. I'm going to be buried there too, okay? I'm going to stick with you, okay? That is wholehearted commitment, okay? She was committed. She didn't get back to town and go, hey, I know what I'll do. I'll go out and find me a husband, okay? Naomi, you just stay over there. I'm going to take matters in my own hands. I'm going to do it my way. A lot of people do it that way today, don't they? 
Hey, life's dealt me a tough blow. I think I know what I'll do. I'll do it my way. I won't read this instruction book. I won't do things the way God intends for me to do. I'm going to take it on myself. You ever been there before? Getting off quiet in here. I think we all have, haven't we? Hey, but God's got a plan. God said, hey, Boaz has noticed. Boaz has noticed her uprighteousness, her way she takes care of her mother-in-law, the way he's, she's done things, the way she's served. And Boaz, the same guy, has followed the Lord's instructions on providing grain, on providing for the poor, on doing the integrity type thing, okay? And they find each other. And they go, wow, take care of this lady. She is awesome. Man, servants, if she wants something to drink, make sure she gets drink. she wants something to eat, make sure she gets something to eat. Take care of her because I'm watching you. And these servants were treated right, and they made sure that Ruth had everything she wanted. Okay? And then you see it in chapter 3. How... Ruth went to the threshing floor at Naomi's call, showered, cleaned herself up, presented her to uh, Boaz there in the middle of the night while he's sleeping, uncovered his feet. And what she's doing is making a marriage proposal. You see, the only way the kinsman redeemer could redeem somebody was if that widow asked. Okay, that was the only key there. You couldn't go and search yourself. That widow had to ask. And the way that widow asked is by uncovering his feet and having him throw his coat over his over her at the end. It's kind of like coming under the wings of Jesus. Okay? His protection. Okay? That's the way God was doing her right there. Okay? And that's the way Boaz said, Hey, before morning comes, you get up. I'll give you six measures of barley, and I'm going to go take care of business because there is a redeemer closer than I am. Being a man of integrity, I hope he redeems you. But if he doesn't, watch out because I'm going to do it. Okay? All right? That's a love story, is it not? Okay? And that redeemer went to the town gate. That's kind of like the courthouse. And he said, hey... People, come here. I need ten witnesses. Hey, you. You're the next in line. Come here. Do you want to redeem Naomi's sister-in-law? What? All right. Do you want to redeem Ruth? He said, sure. He's interested into the inheritance. But then once he found out Ruth came with the deal, he goes... Whoa, that's going to throw everything off. That's going to throw everything off. My inheritance, that's going to throw it way out of whack. I can't do it. You go ahead and do it, Boaz. And Boaz paid the price. And then look at the last part of Ruth. What happened to Ruth? She had a child. And that child gave birth to another child named Jesse. And you know where David came from, from the line and the father of Jesse. God had a plan of grafting her in there. Okay? A foreign lady from Moab 
He had a way of crafting her in there. Today, I got three things written there. And God's been dealing hard. Surrender to God with sincerity. It's not, hey, I feel like it today. I can do this thing. I can do this Christian thing. I can be the person I need to be. Wrong. That's not the way to go into it. That's the kind of way Orpha went into it, okay? I can handle it for a little while. But what did she do? She bailed. We got church member after church member that sometimes comes in here, okay? Just because you walk an aisle doesn't mean that you're going to heaven, okay? You have to mean that in your heart. You have to say, hey, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That means, hey, whatever it takes, I'm going to get it done, okay? Amen? The sincerity is there. Ruth, she said, your people will be my people. Okay? She says, I give up everything I know. I give up my country. But I want to be with you. Okay? So you can almost say Ruth was the first conversion here. Alright? You see that picture. Amen? Do you see it? Second, cultivate your character. I don't know where my little book... Yeah, my wife's using it for a fan. Cultivate character. I went to the uh, junior high lunch this week, and I got to do the Bible lesson this week, and I pulled out my little Bible lesson study guide right here, and God always knows what I'm preaching on. You know what I mean? Nothing surprises Him. He knows it. And I found this in my Bible study this week. The memory verse was for... For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will gain it. Hey, that's found in Mark 8.35. That's almost like a Ruth. Is it not? And then I get to my story, milk money. Y'all know Borden's ice cream, Borden's milk. You've all seen that in the grocery store, right? All right, you know who the person is we're talking about. And I got to reading about this William Bill Borden. He was a young man. He's getting ready to graduate high school. And his mom and dad said, hey, I know exactly what we'll get William for graduation. We're going to send him on a trip. Not just a trip down to Florida. We're going to send him around the world. Man, wouldn't you like to be a kid and have that kind of parents going, yeah, baby. That's it. You know what I mean? But they did. And the strange thing When the boy went around the world, he got a real burden for people. He got a real burden for helping people. And he wrote home to his mom and dad saying, Hey, mom and dad, I found out what I want to do with my life. I want to help people. And when he came back to Yale University, get this. He started a Bible study. And his Bible study enlisted by his senior year when he started. He started with small numbers, but by his senior year, it grew to 1,000 to 1,300 people in his Bible study class at Yale. His little Bible study. You think the guy got it front to back bumper? And then that wasn't good enough. He says, hey, I love helping people all around the world. I'm going to help people right here. I know a lot of drunks. I know a lot of people in town that need my help. I'm going to start this Yale Hope. And he started this ministry at Yale called Yale Hope. And here he could have 
And they found out in his Bible, he had to say, yes to Jesus and no to self. You think the guy's doing that when he's getting this stuff done? Does Jesus have a way of blessing us? Amen. This isn't a get-rich-cut type of gospel you hear preached. But Bill Borden, after he finished his Princeton thing, went on to seminary. And after seminary, guess what? His first mission was on to China. And on his way to China, he stopped off at Egypt to learn some Arabic and to witness the Muslims. Okay? And while he was there, he got uh, spinal meningitis. And he actually died there in Egypt. But here he died at the age of 25. And you think, wow, man, this kid was rich. This guy had the inheritance of the whole board and fortune. But yet he served in such a joyful way. They found written in this Bible these three words. No reserve, no retreats, no regrets. Amazing. You think he lived a full life at the age of 25? I just think so. I think heaven's a better place because he did. But God knew us preaching on Ruth, and that sounds an awful lot like Ruth there, as she commits to following Jesus Christ. As she commits to saying, hey, Naomi, you take me back to your homeland. I'm going to trust the Lord. Whatever he's got going on in your life, he's got to be good for me. Okay? And I'm going to follow So, as you see that happening, we need to cultivate that character. I don't know what his parents did to cultivate that character in him, but man, they cultivated that character. We need to do everything we can to cultivate that kind of character in the people we come in contact with. To let them know, we're sold out, not just 50%, we're sold out 100% to follow Jesus Christ and to do what he wants to do. All right? My kids, I'm always challenging them. I don't make them by challenging them to live for Jesus Christ. I think that's part of my dad's duty to give them opportunities to live for Christ. They can either turn me down flat or I can stretch out my uh, father figure arms and go, yeah, you're doing it. Okay? But I do it out of love so they can see Jesus working in their lives. Okay? We don't always willingly go into service just because it's there, do we? Mission trips, hard stuff. Sometimes we need encouragement. Sometimes we need a little prodding to know that these kids aren't ours. They're borrowed just for a little while. But we need to do our best to train them up and to leave that kind of character in each one of them, right? That's what Naomi did with Ruth. She left some character of God in Naomi. All right? Naomi was changed. She was part of the lineage of Jesus. Okay? Part of the lineage of David. All right? That's amazing. Last point. Today, as I close, you have an opportunity to be an Orpha or a Ruth. In your mind, you want to be a Ruth. But you have to make that decision down in your heart. You have to say, yes, I want that full and rich life. Yes, 
I don't have all the answers to life, but I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him with everything I got that God knows what he's doing with me and he can handle any situation that comes along. I'm not going to bail on him like Orpha. Okay? There is always that tendency to take my life back and say, man, I can't do it. I remind the youth all the time. God doesn't call us on the sacrificial or sacrificial throne here to be once a sacrificial lamb. It's a living sacrifice. It's a living day by day decision I make day by day. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to let him do with my life what he needs to do. And it's a hard one. Even as I get older, it's hard. Okay? I thought it was hard when I was young. But it's still hard. Amen? As parents, older It's hard to die day by day. It's hard to be that sacrifice, that living sacrifice that I need to be. But that's what God calls me to do. Amen. So which one are you going to be today? Are you going to run from God? Are you going to do what he wants you to do? Are you going to have all the answers today? I doubt it. But you're going to have to decide day by day what you want to do. How you're going to commit to living for Jesus Christ in your own life. Amen. If you would stand. Different type of service today. Different type of message. The whole book of Ruth. A very important message you need to understand and you need to hear. Because in this day and age we live in, there's choices that need to be made. Because we can do whatever we want to do, folks. God doesn't hold a gun to our head and say, hey, you have to serve me. You have got the encouragement of the world to go do anything you want. To live any kind of way you want to live. And we see that in our young people when they go off to college sometimes. What's one of the first things after I get out of mommy and dad's sight? Hey, it's my time to live. We all know that. It's the same thing when we get older. It's a daily sacrifice, a daily living sacrifice that we need to get with, that we need to be a part of. And it doesn't need to be just a one-time decision. It's a lifetime decision. So as you bow today, search your heart. Dear my Father, I thank you for this book of Ruth. I thank you as a parent. I thank you as a youth pastor. I thank you just as a follower of Jesus Christ. How you made a way out of the impossible to redeem Ruth. To help Naomi carry on in the lineage that needed to be carried on. And dear my Father, how she just happened to be in this field How these people just happen to be in the service today. How we just happen upon the book of Ruth. It just doesn't happen. It's your godly plan. Tell me, Father, help us to realize you work in us whether we want to admit it or not. Sometimes in not very pleasurable times. Sometimes in pleasurable times. But you work. Help us to realize you can work through us. Help us to endure the tough times when you chasten us. And, dear my Father, I just pray that you'd call us to yourself.
that there's somebody out here that doesn't belong to your family today that they might know by walking this aisle, by inviting you to become their kinsman redeemer, they can experience uh, you and they can experience your forgiveness and your grace today, just as Ruth did. I just pray that, my Father, that you make this message real, that you would do it in a real way in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.